We're listening to popolitikin.com. We got you stuck. Got you stuck off the realness. All the right people join together and unify. Take back our families and children multiply. Showing how to live to the standard we died for. Teaching by God, put them first and ride for them. The devil been busy and he using the media. Destroying your mind, don't feed out the evil, bro. The story been told in the Bible, don't bite the out. See, our life matter, we just tired for being black. We way much more than the shit they broadcast. We just get dough, feed the family, and live laughing. Some work nine to five, the other has still trapping. Some treat our sisters like queen, other disrespect them. Our women got to prove to our men they more than sick. In order to get respect, the sister respect yourself. We all get in situation, we do what we got to do. But change it good, don't let the world throw you through the loop. And yeah, I'm representing Columbia, Mississippi. Mr. Trio, it's Amar. And I'm politicking with my boy, Poe, on Poe Politicking. Popolitikin.com. Welcome back to Poe Politicking. We're now politicking with Andre Taylor. Andre Taylor is a leader, activist, a mentor, and he's also known as his, his, for his role in the movie American Pimp is Gorgeous Dre. How you doing, bro? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. All right, man. Like I said, you you always been in the back of my mind a person I really wanted to interview, so I'm glad to have you on. Mm-hmm. All right. So the glad first. To be here. Yeah, thank you, man. So the first thing I want you to talk about, man, because I follow you on Facebook, and I've seen you've been talking about your brother and the situation happened with him, so I just feel like that's, like, you know, we should bring that up first and just talk about that situation and what happened and bring awareness to it. Yeah, well, February 22nd, uh, the Seattle Police Department assassinated my little brother, Shay Taylor, and uh, I was just on my way back from Vegas, the Magic Show, uh, so I got back, and the next day I heard this happened to my brother, and so on the 22nd I flew up to Seattle. And uh, they released the dash cam video and showed that uh, my brother complied with the police officers because, you know, when a shooting happens, the first thing that the police, the system wants to do is they want to control the narrative, right? Right. So, so uh, <clears throat> it's important that when situations like this happen, I always tell people, especially our people, that you, you're not so reactionary. We, we, as a people, are emotional, and we're so reactionary. So when you are a reactionary people, you empower the people that make you react. So it was important to me not to be reactionary, but to be responsive, right? Because I already know that the system always wants to control the narrative. So they put out information about my brother's criminal past, about my my brother's criminal past, to villainize him, as if because of his criminal past we had a right to murder him. So they do this all time, all always with everybody that they kill. They'll they'll try to create this narrative of this heinous person or this criminal, as if this gives them a right to then kill somebody because they're trying to create the narrative. So that's what they did with my brother. They put out his criminal past. He had, he had already done 22 years. In, uh, in prison, and he had only been home for 16 months. So whatever criminal, uh, uh, so so whatever criminal activity he was involved in was 25 years ago. So he did his time for that. So that don't give you a right that you that you should kill him. So anyway, being that I know how the system works, I went out there to try to fight with the narrative. So uh, that's what I've been doing. I built some relationships with media uh, outlets out here. Uh, we also, whenever they put some information out, we make sure we respond to the information they put out with our response instead of a reaction. 
And if our people around the country would understand that we cannot be reactionary, we must be responsive, you're going to, you'll get a further way because they're all they're prepared for our anger. You can go up there and march 400, uh, 400 times a year, you know, and be reactionary. <clears throat> we need to have a... We need to have our own narrative, and we need to continue to push our own narrative when situations like this happen. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm pushing our own narrative. And what we've been able to do, which has never been done in the country before, mind you, there's a, there's a law up here that's the most regressive law in the United States, which means that in order for us to bring, in order for charges to be brought up on a police officer, we in Seattle, in, in the state of Washington, have to prove that a police officer had malice, which is an impossible thing to prove because malice is a state of mind. Right. So, hence, all these police officers have been getting off here and all over the country because we think when a police officer uses deadly force that he's investigated for a homicide, like we would be. Police officers are not investigated for homicides. They're investigated to see whether they follow the law. So if the law states that we have to prove malice in order to bring them up on charges, which is an impossible thing to prove, hence they continue to get off. So the last thing I'm going to say about this is what we've done is we've created an initiative that we got back from Olympia, the state, uh, from uh, the capital of Washington. And this initiative that we that was started last year by, by other people was killed in a committee out here, and it couldn't go to the legislative department because really what it's all about is the laws. There's nothing more important than the laws that's on the book. This is how we are continually being disenfranchised and defeated by these laws. So my objective was to make sure we fight where the fight is, and that's these laws. So we created this initiative that was defeated last year by the powerful police union. But we, we, what we did this year is we made a ballot initiative that, that, that goes past the committee, that comes to the people, to the American people, to the people of Washington. Well, we are now uh, in the process within the next five days to raise um, 250,000 signatures. And with that, it goes to the legislative department and they have two chances. Uh, they have two choices. Either they change the law or it goes to the voters uh, uh, through the ballot. So we have to learn how to fight, and the fight is the laws. If we put our resources to start understanding what the advantage that the system has, then we'll fight the right fight. We can march till we're blue in the face. We have to com combat these laws, and that's what I'm doing. Fighting for the narrative and combating these laws, going after these laws. That's the fight. Let's go, people. All right. All right, man. So I want you to talk about what what, what can they, is it like a website or anything they can go to to help out with the cause or anything they can do, like no, the listeners? Well, well what ha what's going to happen is, is that my website, I have two websites. I have a website called OperationAndreTaylor.org, and I have a website that I created uh, for the movement called notthistime.global. Notthistime.global is a movement I started after they assassinated my brother. And there's a lot more information on there and uh, that we'll continue to put out. So this is not for the country yet. But once we defeat this with this initiative we have, this is this that we're doing right now, it is the biggest thing for our people all over this country because it's, the, it's our new civil rights movement. 
Once we get this law changed in Washington, it will then create a snowball effect around this country. So it's very, very important to, to focus on what's going on here first, because this is the first time we've ever done it in the country, to have a ballot initiative for this particular thing with, with police brutality. So it's, it's important that the, that the nation is focused on what, what's, what's going on here. I have also reached out to some of my friends in Los Angeles, some people in some pretty powerful entertainment positions, so that we can keep and have a national platform. And, and see, the problem is, is that we are not aware. Our people are not aware of what's going on. Hence, we keep uh, getting in these situations where these po police officers are killing us and getting off because we are not aware of the laws. So my job is to inform us as a people, not only us, but I also have the tribes, all the, the Native American tribes that are also joining with us to fight this initiative, uh, to fight this law through this initiative, and the Latino community as well, and white folks. So we have to galvanize the American people so that we are informed about how these laws are written to protect these police officers and, and make them accountable for murder because they are not held accountable. So not this time dot global gives people some more insight about what's going on and um and Operation Andre Taylor dot org is uh just information about my life, where I come from, what I'm doing, my product and all of those things. So they could reach they can go to both of those places. And of course my Facebook. Okay. And then I want you to talk about some of your, like, daily habits and rituals you do every day when you wake up. Well, when I wake up, I make sure I have uh, some devotion time. You know, I make sure I get some devotion in and spend some of that quality time, meditation, prayer, whatever you want to call it, but it's devotion to me. So that's the first thing that I do. And then because of this, uh, uh, this movement, I've been having to... Um, you know, go to rallies. I give meetings every Wednesday, but not this time meetings in Seattle, Washington, at a place called the SVI, the Seattle Vocational Institute, in Seattle, Washington, for the community to keep people informed. So that's what I do every Wednesday. But uh, in addition to that, I'm, I, I go to rallies. I just came from a rally in, in, in Olympia, Washington, yesterday uh, for two, two kids that was national news, Bryson and Andre, who were... Uh, shot by police officers while they were on their skateboards and a police officer tried to kill them shot one of them like seven times but they mm. both survived shot one of the brothers in the stomach so this was a year anniversary yesterday for them so i'm i'm trying to be as many places as i can with the not this time movement supporting the people informing the people in those areas about these laws and what we could do you know uh, to rectify the situation you see there's been times in history that we haven't been able to do anything about what's been happening to us. We just had to take it up. 400 years in slavery, we couldn't do it. We had to take uh, the rape of our people, our babies being uh, uh, used as alligator bait, uh, you know, uh, men getting their genitals cut off. We had to take the greatest evils and the atrocities known to mankind. We had to take that. But now we're living in a time that we don't have to take it, that we can do something about it. We don't have to feel helpless anymore. We have initiative, and we can do something about it, and we are do so, doing something about it. The disadvantages that we have right now is that we haven't been informed. We are an uninformed people, so we don't know where to fight. 
So right now, the most important thing to me is to inform the people in Washington and then the rest of us around the country about how to win, how to fight. If you're going to strike a blow, strike it where it's going to count. And it's all through the law, the legislative branch. We need to fight the laws. And now, I was going to say, because I know, I, know, I know you have a son, I have a son. So what would you say to, like, the, the young black men out here right now? Because it seems like it's, it's, like, basically hunting season on them. What would you tell them? Well, well, it's hunting season because of the position and the predicament that we find ourselves in today. You know, there's a lot of voices out there that want to fight a situation because, you know, they want to take up arms and all that. That wouldn't be wise. You can't fight a people that have the military that go to other people's country and take their country away from them. You can't fight a people like that, right? So that's not the smart thing to do. But what I often tell our people is that I will never send our people into a war when we're fractured by self-hate. That's the most important thing right now that I would speak to to our communities is the self-hate. Because you can't galvanize the people if you're trying to galvanize people that hate each other, right? So we have a problem with self-hate. Most of us, our youngsters, you look in the mirror, you couldn't like yourself. You couldn't like yourself because it's so easy for you to pull down and draw down on somebody who looks like you. You couldn't like yourself. So I got to communicate to them of what is going on uh, uh, mentally with you and what has happened to you through these years of indoctrination to make you not like yourself and then to make you hate your brother. We got these rappers up here celebrating that they got a body. You celebrating that you're going to kill another black man. I come from the streets, so I can speak to them like this. I was a general on them streets. Did stand time. Never told on anybody. Stood up like a true soldier supposed to be. So I, I commend in the respect of my community. So when I speak to these youngsters out there, they can't tell me nothing about the struggle. I'm born from a pimp and a prostitute. All the disadvantages of a black man, I had them. Rose up and overcame, and overcame them. And I know they can too. This is serious business. I have very great animosity against our people that's killing our people. Yes, I'm fighting against po po uh, police brutality. But I got to fight against brutality we have against our, our, ourselves as well. Can't sit around here and think that's okay. And then these people talking about, you know, uh, uh, now this thing out about snitching. You don't, they don't know nothing about they don't even know, understand the concept of what they're talking about. You ain't snitching. Let me tell you something. If you in these streets, right, and you and your partner, or you got people in these streets, and you commit a crime, and your partner telling you he done snitched on you. But if you in these streets, and a civilian sees you operating in some illegalities, and they say something about those illegalities that you participate in, they are not in the game. They are civilians. They don't, they don't operate under the same system that we operate in when we're in these streets. They ain't snitching. Are you, so, the, so you're saying that we want to be able to allow anybody just to do anything? What if we had our own nation right now? What about black nations over in Jamaica and places in Africa that there's only black police officers in? We just allow people to do what they want to do? We just allow you to come in there and rip somebody's child and kill somebody's mama? And think that's okay and say, you can't say nothing because you snitching? We can't raise a nation like that. We have to raise a nation with laws, and that has to start amongst our own people. Think you can just do anything? Yes, I was out there pimping 20 years ago, and I was passionate about what I was doing. That's the truth. I, 
I'm, I'm, I'm very open about how I live my life and what I had to overcome in my life. I don't judge them brothers. I know there's a struggle out there. I understand that uh, uh, people want to eat and they're hungry. And it's not the ideal situation for our people because some of our people are out there feeling that we have to do what we have to do. And I understand that because there was a time during slavery that they made us do the things that they call legal today. They made us do it, right? But about this killing each other, no, I'm against that 1,000%. We can't do that because you, what you do is you minimize the value of a black life. So it makes it easy, that much more easy for a police officer to go and kill you. You don't care nothing about yourself. I've got a problem with that. So I've got to speak to these youngsters about thinking that it's some powerful, big old stuff because you pull the trigger and kill somebody that looks like you. You're going to stop that mess because then you're going to make yourself an enemy against, the, against us trying to bring ourselves together as a people. And you're going to be on the wrong side of history because we're going to rise righteous young black men up that's going to fight against that self-destruction. So if you don't wake up, you're going to find yourself on the wrong side of history because we ain't going to keep standing for it as a people. That's how I feel about that and youngsters in these streets. All right. And then, like, you, you touched on it some, but I, I just want you to, because, like, when I first watched American Pimp, like, that's one of my favorite movies, I always watch it. And I, I heard you talk, like, I could tell you're very intelligent. Just the way you was talking, I could just, I was like, man, this dude's very, very smooth and intelligent how he's putting everything together. So can you just talk about, your background and your influences and everything? Well, I told you my dad was a pimp. My mom was in the gang. She was a hoe. That mm-hmm. was the time of her life. She ended up getting married and lived a square life and everything. So as a child, of course, I grew up in that lifestyle. So I have a perspective from a child. And when I was going to, uh, when I was in federal court and they was about to sentence me, the judge asked me, <clears throat> Mr. Taylor, is there something you would like to say? I said, yes, I would. I said I was born by the seed of a, uh, in, by the, I was born from the seed uh, of a pimp in the womb of a prostitute. I said this is what society says. I said, but in actuality, it was my mama and my daddy, the people who loved me, fed me, caressed me. And even if society feels that these people are the scum of the earth, I, I couldn't think of them that way. How could I? I had a different understanding. They wouldn't bat to me. And that's what I told the judge. You, I don't care what you think about the people that raised me. I couldn't think of them that way. I had a different understanding. So I went to the lifestyle and participated in myself. And when I, some people, I, I've done other interviews, and some, I remember I did an interview maybe, maybe eight years ago, and a guy was telling me, you act like you are happy because of what you did or you celebrate. And I said, man, listen, when you on them streets, if you're not 110% about them streets, you're going to get killed or ran over. So you damn right when I was in it, I was 100% in it. I wasn't playing around because we, I was facing life and death situations every day. And I was going to be 100% while I was out there in them streets doing what I'm doing. Right? Just like I'm 100% doing what I'm doing now as an activist, a life coach, and a teacher, and a leader. So I was 100% passionate about what I was doing in them streets when I was doing it. But just like Malcolm X when he was out there pimping, when he got the call to change his life, I got the call to change mine. And 
when y'all when y'all give you the call, I answered. Everybody don't, but I did. Yeah, I was gonna ask you. I did that. When when did and, I, I was gonna ask you ask you that? When did that happen? Like I guess the, the you say transformation. When did that calling come? Well, you have to understand that uh, before I got into the lifestyle that I used to be a Christian before I got into the lifestyle, mm. so I already had some fundamentals of those uh, spiritual principles living inside of me. Of course, I'm not a Christian now. I'm a, I'm a Hebrew Israelite. Uh, I don't think that any black person is a Christian. I think that that Christian and whatever, uh, uh, what has been given upon our people through white supremacy and slavery uh, is not who we were pre-slavery. So I'm interested in who we were pre-slavery. In pre-slavery, I believe that we were Hebrew Israelites by blood and not relation. <laughs> Hmm. But anyway, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I lived the life, man, and I uh, did it 100%, and, and and was big at it at the time, you know, and and overcame it. And but I'm glad that I went that direction and I went that path because it gives me that greater opportunity to then reach out to my community or to that demographic that's involved in the streets right now, because they ain't, them brothers ain't trying to hear nobody. These guys out there trying to talk to them. You ain't been touched by the pits of their poverty. <clears throat> you can't speak into them people's lives. You know, you got to understand them. You got to understand why they do what they do. You know, so I'm glad that God allowed me to go through that situation because now I can at least reach out, you know, and, and, and be an example that there is life after the game. Yeah, I was say, what's the name of those? I always see you. Uh, I don't know the name of them, but I always see you wearing those, uh, those shirts, man. What's the name of them? Joe's Clean. Has been around for ten thousands of for thousands of years. It's from our people. Now, other cultures have adopted captains, like Indians call them curtis for women and curtus for men. Uh, in Senegal, they're called boo-boos. You know, and Nigeria and 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 Ghana, everybody that they're generally called captains. That's been around thousands of years. So, you know. I adapted the captains uh, in response to uh, a repudiation of European uh, dictation of what class and style and beauty is, you know? Uh, so I don't think that the Europeans uh, should have the right to decide what, what's classy, what's beautiful, you know, what's sophisticated. So I wear my captains like I used to wear them suits, you know? Because I believe that they're classy and, and they're cultured, most of all. So it links me. It feel, makes me feel like I have a link to culture. That's why I wear them. Yeah. And I, I, I want to make sure I say this right, but I, always, I follow you on social media, and I, I, you always talk about, like, uh, how men should have self-confidence and value themselves. Yeah, so can you just talk about the importance of that? Like, why, I mean, it's, it's, just for the listeners, like, why you think that that's important? Well, you have to understand that even in American Pimp, uh, I said that before you are a pimp, doctor, lawyer, that my father taught me that you got to be a man first. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said that you have to be a man of principle, some integrity, and some character, and honor. You have to be a man first. And I just believe that that applies across the board, no matter what you're doing, that you then must be a man first. And I think the problem, especially in our culture, being that youngsters have been raised by their mothers, that they don't know or understand the concept 
believe that being a man is turning 18 years old. Instead of understanding that a man, uh, uh, so so you're born a gender, right? You're either a male or a female. That's a gender, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, so people believe that once they turn 18, a guy in our communities believe that once he turns 18, uh, that you become a man. I say you're not a man. You're still a gender. Because I believe a man is a position, and and there's certain characteristic one has to have in order to then say that he is said man. And if you don't have these characteristics about you, if you don't have some fundamentals about you, then you can't hold the position, the office of manhood. So there's a lot of guys around here walking around thinking that they are a man, but they don't have uh, they don't have the how, how can I say the characteristics. You don't have the characteristics of a man in order to then say that you are a man. If you, it's like the president. You know, there are certain qualifications that you must have in order for you to be the president, in order for you to hold the office of the presidency. So there's qualifications you have to also have to hold the office, the position of a man. And if you don't have those qualifications or characteristics, then you are not what you think you are. So you act like a male acts and not like a man. So you are an emotional person because you were raised by your mama, right? Mm. And that's not to denigrate woman. A woman is, oh, God made her to be emotional because she's a woman, right? But he didn't make you to be emotional. So a man grows up and he, a child grows up and he is witnessing every day his mother deal with certain situations and problems emotionally. Because that's how she deals with it. That's her makeup. So then you grow up seeing how your mama has dealt with conflict. And then you, as a male, go out into the world and deal with situations through that emotional uh, aspect also. Not understanding because your daddy was, wasn't there. Your daddy didn't tell you that men reason through things. They don't, they don't act emotionally to handle situations and conflict. They reason. And so because your daddy didn't tell you that men don't act like that when you go out and somebody steps on your shoe or somebody calls you a word and calls you out your name, you want to go fight and you get emotional, your, your daddy didn't tell you that men don't act like that. So the moment you uh, get offended, you start acting like a female without you even knowing it. So when you get angry, guess what? You stop thinking. So that's one of those qualifications of manhood, your ability to continue to think beyond your anger. So most of our youngsters out there, this is why they quick to pull the trigger, quick to kill somebody that looks like them, because they acting like broads. Or I don't want to be denigrating, they acting like females, and females, we need them to be who they are. We need that emotionalism from a female. That's who she is. That's the beauty of who she is. But you as a male, it is unacceptable that you respond or you react out of your emotionalism. And so in our country, in our communities, we have a tremendous amount of males that are female acting and will never, ever enter into the office of manhood until a man teaches them. So this is what I try to do. I try to teach them because I live it by example. So what are, what are some of your current projects you're working on right now? Well, like I said, right now, I'm dedicated right now to fighting the system. Mm-hmm. That's my current project. 
my, 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 you know, but I do life coach, but I can't do it as much as I did before because my dedication right now is to fight in this system, which is the greatest monster. You know, but as I'm fighting this system, there will be times that there will be platforms created that I can then continue to teach our young men, and I will. But it is, it is a major issue in our communities. You know, a major. See, and these preachers out here ain't teaching them, well, I ain't going to say all of them, but a lot of them ain't. You know why? Because they ain't even men themselves. I'm saying... You are... Per- I don't know. This this kind of risque, but what? So what do you feel about like you know? Now it's kind of like they taking the gender away. Like you know how you got like Bruce Jenner and all them people like that. So now it's like it's all that stuff, but then you can't even speak on it because you in the wrong. Well, well, that's what. No, that's a perception. You know, uh, once you see, you don't live your life by what people think about you. You live your life by principle. Mm-hmm. And so, which is another qualification of manhood. Right? It's a principled, uh, it's a principled discussion. Just because, I, I, I give, I, let me explain it like this. Today, uh, crack cocaine is, is illegal, and cocaine is illegal, right? And there's a lot of these drugs that are illegal. But did you know that uh, also alcohol was illegal at one time? Did you know that the alcohol trade was just as violent as the drug trade right now, yeah. that they were drive-by shootings, that there were bombings and killings and people being in prison, put in prison for for uh, life and and uh, the, uh, so many uh, police uh, strategic forces going out to try to quell it and stop it. Same thing that's going on today. This has happened before. Well, uh, because they believe that it was wrong. Who? The American government. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so, just like they believe that drugs are wrong, right? So, when the American government decided it wasn't wrong anymore, they legalized it. Oh, now it's okay. So, you cannot live your life based upon what the government has dictated what right and wrong is. Because there was a time that slavery was right. Mm-hmm. It was a time that you were wrong if you wanted to... Run- idea of right or wrong because of their their past right so i don't so when you you ask me this question i'm just saying that just because they said that what uh 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 Catherine jenner whatever this guy name is whatever is right don't necessarily mean that it's right for me because i live a principled life so based upon principles of my ideology or, or my spiritual beliefs I could then take a stand and say to me, it is not the ideal situation or the right situation, or it's wrong, right? Somebody asked me one time when I was speaking, do you think that homosexuality, do you think that homosexuals don't love God? Do you, would you say homosexuals don't love God or gay people don't love God? I said, I would never make a statement like that. I would never in my life say that a homosexual or a gay person don't love God. I would never say that. I would never say a prostitute don't love God. I would never say a pimp, a drug dealer. I would never say any of these people do not love God. But what I will say is that they 
might not love him the way he requires to be loved. Because I don't believe that the relationship is predicated upon how you want to love him. I think that the relationship is predicated on how he wants to be loved. Because if the relationship is only predicated upon how you want to love God, you will never have to change. You can still continue to be whatever you want to be. Mm. But if the relationship is predicated on how he wants to be loved, then some change has to happen in your life. And how does he want to be loved? Well, that's something that you have to go and discover Mm. from what you believe, you know? So as an Israelite, as a Hebrew Israelite, there are certain things that I believe. And I don't go try to uh, twist nobody's arm to believe that. But that's what I stand upon and I'm comfortable with, you know? And that's just what it is. All right. And what are some of your favorite your favorite books? Uh, my one of my favorite books uh, is uh, 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 Sid Harper by Herman Hesse. Uh, I love that book. It's, it's, a, it's an awesome book. It's a small book, but it's it's, it's a very powerful book. I also love James Allen as a man thinketh. I love Og Mandina, the greatest salesman in the world. I love great thinkers. I love great minds. I love Norman Vincent Peale. My ultimate favorite book is by the black man, um, Alexander Dubas, uh, The Count of Monte Cristo. I love that book. Hmm. All right. I love that book. In five years from now, we're going to do a follow-up interview. So five years from now, what are we going to be talking about? Uh, I don't know what we're going to be talking about in five <laughs> years from now. I'm not going to be doing no talking in five years. I'm going to be doing some doing. All right. So if in five years from now, you're going to be talking about what I've been doing. Alright, cool, I can dig it Alright, and then I, I look at this this show, this podcast as a time capsule So I'm hoping 100, two year, 200 years from now, somebody finds this and listens to it So two, 200 yeah, years from well, now, somebody finds this, what would you want them to know about you? Well, 200 years from now, if somebody finds this, I think I've said enough for them to understand why And what I believe, you know, I come from the streets uh, I have a redemptive story. Been married 18 years. I have a son that graduated from Yale last year. I'm a daughter that goes to UCLA right now. A son that lives with me right now. Two daughters who are married. One to a military guy. You know, there's life after the streets. There's nothing human. Uh, uh, there's no human tragedy that a spiritual. There's not a spiritual res- resolution for. You know, and I represent that in my life, and that's who I am. And I always ask all the guests this, uh, if you had to pick one, money, fame, or love, which one would you pick? If I had to pick one? Yeah, money, fame, money, or love. Money, fame, and love? Oh, that's easy. The Bible, the scriptures declares that God is love. I choose God. God is love, so that's love. That's what's up. Let's just, say, let's, let's just say, if you had one to choose, let's, let's, not, let's not even say that. What have you chosen, which should be your question. I've chosen God, love. That's what's up. All right, now we kind of, man, we've been hitting this all interview, but I always ask this question. So any advice you want to give to the listeners? Like, just any advice? Well, you know, just stay up on some of the things that I'm doing. The advice I'm really trying to give to our listeners, our people, is that we must become an informed people. Right now we are people who are entertained. You know, it's an optical delusion. They're, 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 uh, it's deflecting. You know, as long as they can keep your attention being entertained and we are overly sexualized people, you know, because there's no leadership and there's no structure and there's no discipline. So the, the voice of the leader has to rise again and it has to be a transparent leader. 
So we have to get ourselves together. This is important. As we are fighting exterior enemies, we need to fight those interior enemies as well. We have to get that done. And, uh, you know, I guess that's what I, that's all I need to say. I love everybody, and uh, I'm, I'm fighting for you, and I'm here for the duration, and they'll hear more of it. Yeah, you, you, when you, the next question, I was going to say, what do you want to say to your supporters and your fans? What do you want to tell them? You kind of just said yeah. it. All right. I want to say thank you for coming through politics with me, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, loved one. All right. And you said, like, you're on the Facebook, the Gram, Twitter, yeah. all that? Facebook, uh, Andre, uh, uh, I believe it's Andre Taylor under Facebook or Andre L. Taylor, one of those. But that I do most of my stuff through my Facebook and my website. Uh, uh, my face. I got a. Tw- I have a Twitter uh, at Real Gorgeous Dre, and I have a, a Instagram at Real Gorgeous Dre. Uh, but I do a lot of the writing and stuff on on the Facebook. Uh, so uh, basically, go check it out. I can't. I can't accept any more friends that people can follow. So, like I said, just go to those sources. Uh, Operation Andre Taylor dot org or GorgeousDre.com. dot com. It's the same one, and also not this time dot global. So we got a lot. I'll be in their city because I'm going to be pushing this agenda. So I love you guys. Appreciate bro, you uh, having me on. And, uh, you know, and we'll talk soon. Since 2008, there has been one website, www.popolitikin.com, on top of the music business, behind the scenes, and on the front line. Chris Porter, a.k.a. Poe Politikin. Mr. Porter has worked with everybody, Universal Motown Records, Young Money, Rockefeller Records, and more. Poe Politikin is a conscious brand that aligns with artists, businesses, and brands to get more exposure. What are you waiting for? It's time to open your mind to the other side of the music business. Log on to www.popolitikin.com That's www.popolitikin.com Call 760-717-5803 for your interview. That number again is 760-717-5803.